If you own a vehicle with less than 200,000 miles and have an auto warranty about to expire or no warranty coverage at all, listen up. CarShield has a low-cost, month-to-month vehicle protection plan that covers more parts than ever. Visit carshield.com slash audio to find out how you could pay almost nothing for covered auto repairs. Drivers who activate this vehicle protection today will also receive free roadside assistance, free towing, and car rental options at no additional cost. Get your free quote today at carshield.com slash audio. That's carshield.com slash audio. Relevance for the future and would have more job opportunities for the future as well. If we don't do that and we don't shift, then we'll have the challenge of where our jobs are going. Our jobs going to robots, but who's developing the code for robots, for example? And that was Chief Executive Officer of MTN Ghana, Salom Adadevo, who spoke to Joy Business at the Chartered Institute of Marketing Ghana, organized evening with a marketing personality where he was the main speaker. Now on to pensions. The National Pensions Regulatory Authority, uh, MPRA, is embarking on a drive to attract the informal sector with adequate pension opportunities that can guarantee their income security. Chief Executive Officer Hayford Atakrofe, uh, who spoke to Joy Business, disclosed that the MPRA is going to introduce a micro-pension product that will ensure access for individuals in the informal sector. We also have a misconception that the people in the informal sector don't like savings. They do. Just that they don't like to be restricted in the way they save. And that is why the law recognized that and said it is voluntary. Every little helps. Every little that you can put away. So I think it is a collective responsibility that we all have to bring the information across to the informal sector that you can contribute towards pension. It could be as little as 50p. It could be as little as you no know, one Ghana to five Ghana. Anything, and it can also the interval could be a day, a week, a month, and it all adds up. This year, as we celebrate our 10th anniversary, we also want to launch a micro-pension scheme, Mm -hmm. which is geared properly towards the informal sector. You heard the CEO of the National Pensions Regulatory Authority, Hayford Atta Crofi. Now, uh, with thousands of households along the coastal belt of Ghana heavily dependent on marine fishing, low catch remains a big issue even after several government interventions. The once booming industry is in dire need of support, threatening the very livelihoods of persons who make up the value chain of the sector. In today's Joy Business Journal, Charles Aite paid a visit to the Tema Fishing Harbour, uh, where, he, uh, where the low catch of uh, fish has impacted on the cost and pricing of fish. It is a sunny morning. And the smell of fish from the Tema Fishing Harbour sets the day ready for a busy market. Some fishermen just landed from a long day's catch. I can count six of them pulling nets from the sea. It's been a slow catch day, they lament. We don't see the fish, no fish come inside. The fish catch isn't like how it used to be in the past. I've been fishing for years now, and I'm serious when I tell you it's got serious. In the past, we had so much fish that we even leave some to escape to the seas. Now we kill and sell them all. It's much of a worry. Fish has now become very expensive. 78-year-old Ashite Amar tells me.
With a complete value chain at this harbour, any shortage of fish hits hard on fishermen, fishmongers and even buyers. So many people come around here, the entire market is kind of down. Fishmongers here tell me that it's due to the low catch, which is having an impact on their sales and increasing prices in that regard. Very, very expensive now. Every fish at this price. So fish, we used to buy the whole basin for 350 maybe 280 but now it's 400 Yeah, and the butterfish too is getting expensive, the grouper. We used to buy 700 the basin, but now it's 1000 People don't come like the way they are coming all that time. Now our markets are going down, so the fish don't, too don't come as they come. They said they will close the season, that the fish will come. But after they close the fishing, they open, we don't see anything. Ghana's fishing industry is heavily reliant on the availability of premix fuel. With about 800 fishing boats scrambling for a tank of premix fuel, Osuma and Ashitis sells premix fuel at the Tema Fishing Harbor. Fishermen are more than the available drums of premix fuel. Here at the Tema Fishing Harbor, we have over 800 fishermen scrambling over 50 barrels of premix. You can imagine what this brings, price wars and smuggling, he says. Even though Ghana's fishery sector contributes close to 4.5% to annual GDP, Threats such as illegal fishing, smuggling of premix and climate change have left the sector on a live support. Director of Ghana's Fisheries Commission, Michael Athadadzi, outlines to Joy Business some interventions being introduced by his outfit. We have we had a uh, consultant to carry out um, research for us in having designated areas to protect what you call marine uh, protected areas. Uh, we, it's also part of uh, 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 measures to, to revamp our stocks. From the shores to the land, Ghana's marine fishery industry continues to face tax challenges. From a low catch to the non-availability of premix fuel, the fisherfolk here at the Tema Fishing Harbour wants drastic intervention to make the best of profits in the long run. For Joy Business, I'm Charles Aite reporting. And that brings us to the end of the Joy Business Report at one with me in Shira Addo. Uh, for more up-to-date and uh, uh, news on, uh, go to joyonline.com uh, slash business. That's myjoyonline.com slash business. Thank you for listening. Do stay tuned in for the locker room with George Addo Jr. and the squad after this uh, next batch of the announcements are read. Boss man, I'm at the bank. Really? But your car is in front of your house. Bro, my bank on my phone, Charlie. Oh, how? Ecobank, bro. With Ecobank Mobile app, I can do everything, anywhere, anytime. Listen, I just checked my account balance, paid my school fees, and sent money to my grandma at Wale Wale. Oh, wow. <laughs> wow. Masa, just download the Ecobank Mobile app from the Google Play Store or the App Store or dial star 770 hash and be your own bank manager. Manager, manager. Whether to pay bills or fees, to check account statements, send money across Ghana, abroad, and more. Ecobank Mobile app has got it covered. Ecobank Mobile, making everyday people live everyday lives the Ecobank way. Ecobank, the Pan-African bank. Joy 99.7 FM. May I please have your attention for the following announcements. 
the death of Madame May Charlotte Hudson, also known as Mrs. Ahoy, occurred at Lashibi in Accra on Monday the 20th of January 2020. She was 97. She was the mother of Mr. Ato Ahoy, Ambassador Kwesi Ahoy, Mrs. Ama Chum, Professor Kwamina Ahoy, Mrs. Ama Aduma Batels Kujo, Mrs. Ifua Bram Labi, and Mrs. Agnes Apeje Danka, Ato Ahoy, Kwesi Ahoy, and Kwamina Ahoy are all former ministers of state. Funeral arrangements are as follows. There will be no way keeping. The body will be laid in state at her family house at Agona Mankrong in the Agona East District of the Central Region on Saturday the 29th of February 2020 at 4 a.m. Burial and Thanksgiving service will be held at the Agona East Basic School Park, Agona Mankrong, on Saturday, the 29th of February 2020, at 9 a.m., to be followed immediately by her interment. Final funeral rites will be performed on Saturday, the 29th of February 2020, at the Agona Mankrong Basic School Park after interment. Memorial and Thanksgiving service will be held on Sunday, the 1st of March, 2020, at the Agona Mankron Methodist Church at 9 a.m. The attire for all the events will be white. Tema Secondary School 1982-year group invites all anchorites to the burial and final funeral rites of the late anchorite Georgina Coleman, 1982. The date is Saturday, the 22nd of February, 2020. Burial service will take place at the Tema Joint Church, Community 7, at 8 a.m. Final funeral rites will take place at the Gassam Clubhouse. Atta is the Tossa Cloth. That's all for the announcements. Thank you very much for your attention. For all your sports news, in the locker room. Hello, I'm Sarah Mulkerns, host of Sports World on the BBC World Service. For the very best of previews to the sporting weekend, listen to George Addo Jr. on The Locker Room on Joy 99.7 FM. Hello, I'm Lee James, host of Sports World on the BBC World Service. For the best of previews to the sporting weekend, listen to George Addo Jr. on The Locker Room on Joy 99.7 FM. Live on radio, live online. This is the locker room on Joy 99.7 FM with George Adu Jr. Boxing is top of the agenda this sporting weekend as the two most talked about heavyweight boxers in recent times meet to settle scores and re establish the order. Ladies and gentlemen, it's Me and this one here is the two best heavyweights on the planet. I stepped up at the amount of time. 
fox in the heavyweight division. WBC champion Deontay Wilder and Tyson Fury meet again in one of the biggest heavyweight title fights in recent years. The unbeaten pair produced a thrilling encounter in Los Angeles in December 2018, clashing in an epic yet controversial draw and will rematch this Saturday. Special preview ahead. In football, most domestic leagues in Europe are nearing the business end and clubs are in urgent need for points. In Spain, the La Liga title race is set to get more intense. Madrid are away to Levante as Barcelona play against Eibar. In Italy, champions Juventus hope to maintain their grip as Inter Milan and Lazio keep the chase. In Germany, new leaders Bayern Munich are wary of RB Leipzig. But in England, the title race is surely heading to the north. Only that, the tussle for top four officially begins with these two. And Chelsea are back to four. So, was he caught there by Ali? He's found Sissoko and Son's in again, and this time he scores. Frank Lampard's fragile Chelsea are up against Jose Mourinho's Spurs in a heated landing derby over Stamford Bridge. We delve deeper into Chelsea's walls at the moment and key taps and Manchester United's date with Watford, the champions' trip to Leicester, and Arsenal's clash with Everton. Head to our Facebook page, Joy slash 997, our WhatsApp line 0244-340-437, or tweet us at CH to react to our discussions on the show. We'll preview the MTN FA Cup Round of 64 action on the show, and we'll be in Qatar to preview the Qatar Open. Time to talk about what the world is talking about in the world of sport. Hello from me, George Ada Jr., and welcome to Preview Friday. Good welcome to you wherever you find yourself. Enjoy 99.7 FM. We've got some uh, 45 minutes of sports preview to come here on the show. You can send us your messages on our WhatsApp line 0244340437. And well, we've got Chelsea fans talking today on the show. Chelsea on the top board. And we're asking a simple question. Yes, um, Frank Lampard has not had a very, very good time out there with Chelsea, at least in the last 10 games. Uh, for most Chelsea fans, they were very, very much aware that they had an inexperienced squad and they had an inexperienced manager. So the result is not really too bad. But the question, though, is in the last 10 games, you know, who has caused more of a problem? The inexperienced manager and Frank Lampard or the inexperienced squad? Welcome your messages uh, via Twitter. You can tweet at us at JoySportsGH. You can also send us your message on our WhatsApp line 0244-340-437. And you can get onto Facebook as Joy slash 99.7. So, what a wonderful time to come your way this afternoon. And there's no better place to begin than the boxing. Live on radio, live online, this is The Locker Room with George Addo Jr. Seven inches, he weighed in at a ready 212 and one half pounds. As a 2008 U.S. Olympic bronze medalist, he is undefeated in his campaign as a professional with a record of 40 wins, no losses, 39 big wins coming by way of knockout. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome the hard hitting, reigning and defending, undefeated WBC heavyweight in the world, introducing. 
19 wins coming by way of knockout. Ranked the WBC number three contender. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome the former WBA, WBO, and IBF unified heavyweight champion of the world and the current lineal heavyweight champion of the world known as the Gypsy King. Introducing the undefeated A winner with Deontay Wilder on Saturday will see Tyson Fury accomplish virtually everything possible in professional boxing. He'll be 30 and old in his career with lineal heavyweight titles. He would also have avenged the only draw in his career, which was against Wilder on December 1, 2018 in Los Angeles. With just two more fights that he's contractually obligated to, Fury's future could be up in the air. But for all of that to be a reality, he would need to come a winner in Saturday's much-anticipated Wilder versus Fury 2 bout at the MGM Grand Garden Arena in Las Vegas. And while Fury is overwhelmingly confident he will win, Wilder is a 110 favorite. While Fury is priced at 106 in the latest Wilder versus Fury 2 odds. Preview of the fight proper shortly on the show. Let's now do hear from the man Tyson Fury in the bit first though, WBC champion, John T. Wilder. Now I'm titled with my idol, Muhammad Ali, and I'm um, looking forward to the 22nd and to t- um, I'm breaking that tie and um, and defeating Tyson Fury and knocking him out and um, to have my 11th consecutive uh, title win, a title defense win, you know. So um, it's just an amazing feeling for me. It just lets you know that when you do apply and, and provide your service to your greatness, then the sky's the limit. The sky's really the limit to where you want to go if you allow your, your, your mind to, to, to go past all the negativity all the peer pressure all the doubts you know people saying that you, you can't do it come on you know give it, just turning your mind into you know um, taking your self belief and, and, and talking it another way if you believe in yourself and you ain't worrying about the, 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 the negative energy that surrounds you about coming up because people are always going to express their opinions about what you should be doing and what you shouldn't be doing when they're not the one. This is your life. This is your body. This is, this is everything is on you. I'm feeling fantastic. The general mood in the camp has been excellent. Um, I don't believe we've had any problems or any mishaps in, in training all the way through. Um, and we've had a smooth camp, really. Everything's going as it should do. Um, we're, we're already ready to go, as you'd expect. Just unwinding now and uh, taking it easy and um, enjoying the, the build-up for the fight, big fight. Of everybody in the world at that stage, has said that we'll both be uh, world champions. But I'd be the dominant heavyweight after after Vladimir Klitschko. So yeah, he said he'd be a world champion, but he didn't say he'd be a dominant heavyweight. So now it's time of world championship reign is over, because he's meeting the dominant heavyweight of his era. Tyson Fury and Gentle Wilder ahead of the bout. Let's do some analysis ahead of the show in 24 hours. And as usual, I've got a fantastic boxing panel to do the discussion. I have the BBC senior boxing reporter, Adi Adedoin, and pandit on BBC Radio 5 Live's fighting talk, Steve Barnes. Right, before we do any analysis, guys, what a bizarre press conference we had. Ain't going nowhere. You know what else. I'm going to knock you, Spark. You know what else. I can't wait. You know what else. Sit down. You ain't nothing. Sit down. You ain't scary. You're not terrifying. Yeah, I don't look at you and see fear. Punch him all over the stage right now if I wanted to. Sit down. You couldn't do nothing about it. Sit down. Pick him and throw him across that room. Sit down. You ain't going to. You don't believe none of the words that you say. You can't punch. I don't know what you talking about. Knocking somebody in the second round. You ain't never. That room. Sit down. You ain't going to. You don't believe none of the words that you say. You can't punch. I don't know what you talking about. Knocking somebody in the second round. You ain't never knocked nobody in no second round. You got pillows for fists. That's why I kept running through you. Because you can't uh-huh. punch. 
when I found you, you was you was like a big house. So don't you ever forget who brought you to Big Time Box. I brought you back. I provided food and put food on your table for your family to eat. I give him his biggest paydays of his whole life, got him a big contract with Showtime, brought him to the biggest stage in the world, being Las Vegas, and here he is, this is how he thanks me. He's got a whole lot of appreciation for someone who's fed him, looked after him, and put millions in his account. Listening to that as the BBC senior boxing reporter, Adia Dedoin, you were there, Adi. You know all the bits we couldn't broadcast. What did you make of how the two men conducted themselves? I mean, I think the thing to say first off is I think this was an attempt by the boxers and the promoters to do something slightly different. I've been to lots of these presses in Vegas, and if I'm honest, they tend to be quite long and tedious affairs. You'll have a long table with the fighters, their promoters, the managers, other dignitaries from the MGM. Everybody says their piece, and it drags on. So I think they try to generate a bit of hype and a bit of excitement by doing it in this format. But it was rather curious affair, really, because both men sat side by side, uh, exchanging verbal blows, and then they would sit down, and then the master of ceremony would show a montage of them uh, on the big screen. Then they would resume their verbal blows, and it would stop again. And then there was a presentation team from the host broadcast, and then they would then get involved in this as well and it was just all a bit curious really and it felt more like a show than a regular press conference and a lot of it felt a little bit stage managed and at one point I started to feel a bit of sympathy for the fighters really and it felt like they'd been tasked with trying to generate controversy to sell the fight and I don't know whether it necessarily needed that. Yeah, opinion was split about this uh, with the journalists that were at ringside uh, where the press conference took place. I thought it went on way too long. Uh, one thing that was very apparent right from the start is when they stood together for that face-off in the beginning, there was no security within five meters of them. Now, if something really was going to happen and the, and the promoters were concerned, they would have had a couple of big burly men there to separate them. That didn't happen. Wilder pushes Fury, Fury pushes Wilder. So clearly, it was all a bit stage-managed. Steve, you've been out of the streets of Las Vegas already, precisely around the MGM Grand. For many reporters I've spoken to, there's an indication Fury has been well-marketed in the U.S. Well, that, that justifies what the founder of this company, Top Rank, been around since 66, promoting one of Ali's very first or early world title fights. The founder of this company decided not to have the rematch we're here for now last year because he said, no, I want to take Tyson Fury to, 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 to Las Vegas. He's channeling, his my word, not his, he's channeling a bit of Elvis, he's channeling a bit of Ali. We'll get him in, we'll get him in Las Vegas. Vegas and we'll make it as noisy as possible. So that, that worked. I did have a customs officer who stamped me through no, no in no time at all, who did know the fight was happening. So that's not quite a taxi, but it's not bad. And on the on the plane, I did have several people come over, talk to me about the fight, who were not here for the fight. They booked to come out with their wife or with two friends or with their girlfriend or with their boyfriend, and they just have you know inadvertently found themselves here in fight week. And I have had today a couple of people I know uh, from the UK say they've changed their mind this weekend or last weekend, and they're now flying out on Wednesday and Thursday. So, so we're not worried about momentum, Mike. We're not worried at all about momentum. The grand arrival was very, very lively, very colourful, as I expected. There were a couple of hundred fight fans shoehorned into the lobby of the MGM Grand as Deontay Wilder and Tyson Fury made their way down the narrow gangway. There were lots of outstretched arms with mobile phones trying to get a picture of them, chance of their name. Both men were very animated when they took to the makeshift stage. Both men, as I was telling you yesterday, showmen. Deontay Wilder turned up in fur 
and bling. A fur coat, no T-shirt underneath it, lots of medallions. A bit like that character uh, in the A-Team, uh, Mr. T. That's what, <laughs> that's what he looked like. As far as, uh, as, far as uh, Tyson Fury was concerned, not to be outdone, he turned up uh, in a suit with lots of pictures of himself, lots of motifs. Uh, both men, as I say, very, very energetic. They didn't actually meet on stage. They kept them apart. So then let's get into the fight proper. Steve, what must Wilder do different this time to close those gaps on points? about seven or eight or six or seven or ten tiny little things no massive major changes all stuff he knows about all stuff he told me about in the summer in about may when i had that hour with him and up in the shard you remember i was up in the shard we got him later on that afternoon a pair of us at the fitzroy lodge but i got him up in the shard and he just went through what he did wrong in that fight he didn't throw enough jabs he threw too many wild right hands he didn't set tyson up with the left hook like he did in the 12th round. he didn't do that earlier on he allowed himself to be doing and he laughed with Tyson. So he doesn't have to do too much. He doesn't have to go into a secret training camp and prepare in silence in a cave. No, he just needs to do what he has done already in the past. And if, in all fairness, question really should be the other way around. So I'll ask you, Tyson Fury's got rid of Ben Davis and the man that talked him down from the ledge, so to speak, and made him lose 10 stone and made him fall back in love with boxing and took him this close, so close to beating Wilder. Changed that completely. Ben's gone, hasn't been around all year. He's been out here all year, an awful long training camp what what does he have to do what does he have to do to win so guys let's end and i end with you Ade. who wins for you in this even though i know there's a tough question at least you can tell us where this will be won or lost here's the interesting thing about the whole thing beneath all that the sense i got was two men who actually really respect each other why because they went 36 hard rounds Afterwards, both men didn't do any media. Tyson Fury left the stage straight away, as did Deontay Wilder. Luckily for me, I anticipated which direction Wilder was going to go, so I waited uh, near the exit. Up he came, up the escalators with his entourage, lots of security, uh, TV crews taking pictures of him. I managed to maneuver my way in front of him and fire a question at him, and I asked him, what did he make of the energy of Tyson Fury on that stage? I mean, it's nervous energy. Um, it's, it's, he's had nervous energy throughout his camp, throughout the preparation. That's why he's changed on so many things. If a man say he beat me 10-2, that's a wide margin. So that means you, you need little to none change up. But due to the fact that he changed up, it means a lot. You know what I'm saying? So, so with that being said, I'm looking forward to the fight. I'm looking forward to the fight because... All week, I've been changing my mind as to which way this could go. They are so evenly matched. You can make a strong case for either man winning it. I just can't wait for Saturday. BBC senior boxing reporter Adia Dodoin and boxing pandits on the BBC Radio 5 Live Fighting Talk, Steve Vance there. We look forward to the battle on the MGM Grand. Well, the Apple Games, uh, Tyson Fury. We'll be looking forward to all of that now. Uh, a quick one there for your messages are coming through on our Facebook page. Question is uh, the problem Chelsea are having right now. Are you going to associate that more to an inexperienced squad or an inexperienced manager? I guess Corsa says it's the manager. Some of his decisions on player selections have not gone down well. A team that has Kante, Kovacic and Jorginho should always feature when fit. You cannot put all your creative aspects on Mason Mounts, who is inexperienced. Okay. Mason Mounts, who is inexperienced. Now, you cannot bench any of those players because of Mount, And he should encourage and motivate Kepa with the Balaga. Kossi Afemile says Ateta is gradually transforming Arsenal. I don't know where that came. He says that Lampard is an overhyped tactician and he's nowhere near to uh, the, the caliber of managers in the league. 
Fidel Scarlett says that squad death. Yes, all the teams have got players on the bench who can come in and make instant impact. Take, for instance, yeah, navigate of Liverpool and all. So you expect Lampard to go in and get all those decisions. We'll be getting to both your messages as we get into that debate shortly. But now we'll get into uh, what's going to be happening on the local scene and quite a lot, including the MCN FA Cup. Live on radio, live online, this is The Locker Room with George Addo Jr. You must believe the other things off the pitch. It is not part of the pitch. They came and decided not to play uh, 11 aside. Better known to them. So we also decided that we let's also shot and play one-on-one. So the first five minutes, you notice that we played um, one against one. And later on, we relaxed. When we brought off, uh, we wanted them to come. So we noticed that our team came back and were rather playing. So in the second half, they brought all their men. You notice that they brought on Okra to come and play from the wings. They brought on others to come and do what they are good at. But we told them that we are the better side. What was the decision uh, to have begun the game with 10 men apiece? Uh, can I explain that? Ghana football next. And the Ghana Premier League, March day 11 without a doubt, was embroiled with so much controversy which barely affected the Premier League results. The antics at the Doma Park did little to change the result that has stood for ages. Another Kumase Asante Kotiko loss at the Doma Park. The league, however, will make way this weekend for the MTN FA Cup with holders Asante Kotoko and a number of Premier League clubs hoping they can snatch it this time. So let's get a bit of insight into the action to come this weekend in the round of 64 and my colleague Benedict Owusu joins me in studio. Thanks, Ben, for your time. Holders Asante Kotoko begin their title defence against Asokwa Deportivo. Following the drama in their last Premier League game, what do you expect them to make of this break and their opponents? Hi, George. Thanks for having me. And I think that, yes, we needed a break uh, after everything that happened uh, in midweek with Kumasia Santi Kotoko, Diana Star specifically. We really needed a break from the Premier League. And I think the FA Cup has come at the right time. Some interesting games to look forward to. And, of course, uh, you asked about the Santi Kotoko Deportivo game. Uh, as it stands, uh, they are yet to confirm where they will play the game. But what I'm picking up is that uh, they definitely will be at the Obwasil and Clay Stadium uh, for that game, uh, you know, due to uh, the... National Sports Authority telling them and other users of the Babara Stadium of the temporary closure for renovation works to begin ahead of Ghana's 63rd independence anniversary. And of course, uh, you definitely will tip Asante Kotoko going into this game because of their, uh, the, the quality they have as compared to a lower division side like Deportivo. But one thing that you've known about these cup competitions is that Obia and Obia, I mean, you can go there with your top players, you can go there with your quality, but a lower division side will just come and shock you because normally what we do is uh, some of these top clubs do not get to monitor what the other lower teams are doing in terms of their division your mind and everything is on uh, the Premier League clubs you play week in week out so maybe they may have things up their sleeves that you wouldn't know and they'll just come and uh, unleash it on you uh, on the day and you'll find yourself wanting but uh, I definitely will tell Pasante Kotoko going into this game they, they have everything uh, to win it will definitely will come to me as a surprise as a, as a huge surprise uh, should Deportivo uh, get something out of this game uh, everything that happened at the Diana losing that game with Maxwell Knedu you know deciding to come on with 10 men a player also trying to take something to Diana's goal that was prevented, yes, definitely will not have any effect on Asante Kotoko. I, I want to believe that they will make it to the next stage of the competition. Their rivals across Kra Hatsuboka up against another tricky side in Danbot FC. Is that an easy head off for Neo Doom? Well, just as Asante Kotoko's game, had to focus also are playing against Danbot, as you mentioned. Yes, uh, on paper, had to focus our favorites. 
once again to go through. But as I mentioned earlier, with the FA Cup, anything can happen. Dambots themselves uh, have not been doing, uh, you know, quite. They, they, they haven't been that bad. I, I, yeah, I must put it. They haven't been that bad in the uh, division they play. Uh, but of course, you cannot compare their quality to that of Accra Hearts folk. And I will tip Hearts to also, you know, uh, go over as to whether Hearts are going to run Royals over them. That's I, I wouldn't want to, you know, go there. I think Hearts folk will win a one nil, two one. Uh, 2-0 win for Accra Hatifog will do for me. Well, Ben, I know quite a number of special derbies are on this weekend. Which games would you be keeping eyes on? And could you run us through the format of this year's competition? Benedict Owusu with analysis on the upcoming Round of 64 MTN FA Cup action. Alright, so aside these games, uh, there are going to be other interesting games. And of course, I think one that uh, many of you, or one that most of us will, will, will be looking at, uh, the All-Premier League encounters between the Golden Cities and Talais. Uh, this is the second time they are going to meet uh, this season. You remember the first uh, meeting was in the Premier League at the Accra Stadium, which they drew. So, uh, Legon Cities playing at home uh, to Intalais uh, definitely would want to fancy this. Uh, any, anything can happen. I think that looking at their form in this season's Premier League, you, you on paper, you see Intalais allies are favorites to you know beat Legon Cities but there's a cup competition and Legon Cities would want to make amends uh, with, with, with their poor run in the Premier League at least to, to get something uh, to complement everything that they are doing off the field in terms of uh, their branding and the, the beauty that they've brought to the game of, of the field so I, I, I definitely will go for Legon Cities but I, I will not rule out the entire life, judging by their fine form in the Premier League the other stars between United will also be tasty at the Doma Park uh, they are yet to meet in the Premier league so they haven't met and it's just going to be new for both teams in this season's premier league and diana starts playing at home definitely going to this game as favorites Karela Mediema ISC have met already in the Premier League, so it's like a second game for them this season. And uh, the first one at their compact, where uh, you know both play their home matches, was 1 1. So this 1 1, we'll see who will win. Uh, I think that Mediema ISC. Uh, go, go into this one as favorite for me. Other games uh, that I'll be watching out Far Rangers Dreams FC. It'll be interesting to see how the lower division side will go into this game against uh, Dreams FC. Dreams FC themselves uh, have not been that bad in the Premier League, but the inconsistency is something that is catching them. So we'll see how Far Rangers will also go. Across City, Liberty Professionals, Across City, wow. I mean, yes, the lower divisions team, and uh, most people do not really know what uh, they are doing, but I tell you what, they had playing some wonderful, great football in the Division 1. And we all, I, I won't be surprised if they get something out of Liberty Professionals. The fact that they are playing at home, uh, we, we definitely will see the mantra of the FA Cup, Obia and Obia, in this very game. And, George, you talked about the format of the competition. This is the round of 64, so automatically, if you qualify for the round of 64, you go to the round of 32, round of 16, uh, go to the quarterfinals, semifinals, and eventually the finals. So, uh, it's... it's it, it's just like the normal MTN Africa, but this time uh, we are having it in zones. So uh, teams uh, in uh, the southern zone uh, will not play teams in the northern zone until it gets to a certain stage. So that, that is uh, it for the FA Cup in terms of the format and how we should expect. And of course, uh, I expect wonderful, great uh, football from all the teams. So Bia will be a mantra, definitely will come. Some big teams will be knocked out. Some big teams will make it to the next stage of the competition. It is normal for this cup competition and definitely I know we'll have a good weekend. Benedict Owusu with analysis on the upcoming Round of 64 MTN FA Cup action. 
live on radio, live online. This is The Locker Room with George Addo Jr. Oh, yes, this afternoon we've got some Chelsea fans out there on our Facebook page, George slash 997. Let's hear from you what you have to say about it. We're just going to have a little discussion about Chelsea's poor form lately. Are we asking, is it about an inexperienced manager or an inexperienced squad? Just there. Goodwill, your mark says, I think it's Lamps. That's Lampard. He he all but looks confused with a starting 11 irrespective of injury woes. Just imagine playing uh, Bashuai over Giroud. He is to blame. Kwame, your boy, free says, George Chelsea slump is nothing but a blessing to us, Manchester United. <laughs> I'm praying in thanks that it actually continues. I'm calling for Chelsea fans. So I don't know why Kwame, your boy, free has stepped into this. I, I have this message here coming in from uh, Nana Kwiku Ajimandra. He says that George Yanum, that's Chelsea's problem, is an experienced coach they have. My wish as a Barca fan is to see Chelsea in League Two in three years to come. Wow. What kind of wish is that? Uh, more of your messages. Let's see. This one is coming in. Okay. Wishing Martin with what? Uh, the best of luck. Okay. In FC Barcelona. Okay. The young man was coming. Okay. And then also wishing Barcelona in tomorrow's game against a bar. First at Barcelona. For Chelsea, they'll continue to lose and the club will continue to go down. Barca forever. That's coming in. More of your messages here just before we get into the Joy Sports BBC two-way series. Well, I've got this one here. Now, Nana Kwabna Sihene says that I believe Kepa is the main contributor, assisted by Willen, who has not lived up to expectations and any of the two centre-backs, you know, searching for match on that day. So, these are your issues here. But, of course, we have a big debate coming up on the show as well. Let me just touch on McLean Mark. He says that Apu, for this Lucius club, <laughs> Ocean Basa, you know, our upcoming game, uh, you want to get a win there. That's Barcelona playing against Eibar. We'll be touching on that shortly. But now, time to get into the Joy Sports BBC 2 series. We had a fantastic Fantastic chat there with the BBC's Maz Faruqi. Let's enjoy this and when we come back, more to come here. Thanks for your time this weekend and the UEFA Champions League action in midweek is such a great place to start. Liverpool and Spurs lost their first leg round of 16 ties. What are the prospects for them during the second legs? Well, I think the holders Liverpool, I think they'll be pretty confident, won't they, of pulling back that one-goal deficit deficit rather against Atletico Madrid in the return leg at Anfield. Obviously, their, their trip to the Wanda Metropolitano in midweek was their first since they lifted that trophy last season back in May last year. They didn't look close to their best at all, far from it, against Atleti uh, in midweek. But if you can believe it, Jurgen Klopp has never lost a two-legged fixture in the European Champions League since he's been the manager of Liverpool. And I don't think we expect them to play nearly as badly in the return leg, particularly when you think about the atmosphere that their fans, that famous atmosphere that their fans can create on European nights at Anfield. So I think I do expect Liverpool to certainly come back fighting in their second leg against Atleti. In terms of Tottenham, I think that's a different matter on the other hand I know quite a few Spurs fans who were frankly quite happy that they only lost by the one goal uh, to Leipzig uh, on Wednesday 
after the news, of course, uh, that came through uh, earlier in the week that Son Heung-min is now out with this long-term injury to his arm after he scored that that late winner against Aston Villa. And you could see that they were really missing him as a team. They've obviously now not got him along with Harry Kane. Very, very limited options for Tottenham going forward. And I think that will continue the, uh, for the rest of the season so I think they really will struggle in front of goal against Leipzig particularly away from home but we saw what they did last year on that amazing run to the final beating the likes of Manchester City and Ajax on the way so perhaps we shouldn't rule out Tottenham at this stage but I do think it will be very tough for them in that second leg We'll talk on the English Premier League fixtures shortly but let's talk at Chelsea now and after the loss to Manchester United in midweek fans are beginning to get a bit worried what has gone amiss and with huge fixtures approaching what does Lampard need to do to turn around the situation? Well, it's tough, George. I know you're a big, big Chelsea fan, so I think you must find their inconsistencies in terms of Chelsea's form this season pretty frustrating. I think what we're seeing here, aren't we, is, is a lack of experience from Frank Lampard's side, which is understandable when you look at how, how young they are. Certainly, I think we've seen signs of physical fatigue and I think as well mental fatigue because obviously in terms of their performance against some of the big teams they're they're so patchy sometimes and and they seem to struggle to keep their concentration going for a full match we saw that against Manchester United at the beginning of the week I I know there were some questionable VAR decisions in in that game as well but I think Lampard's got to try and continue to try and be positive in this dressing room at the moment we know that in the European summer he'll be able to, to sign some more experienced players but at the moment of course he's got to try and keep faith with with this young team but this match against Tottenham at the weekend I think it really really is a massive one isn't it in terms of that race for for fourth place in the league and and European Champions League qualification so I mean I really don't think we can downplay how big this match is and and these young players that that Frank Lampard has have really really got to try and concentrate for the full 90 minutes against this Tottenham side Surely no rest for Lampard's Chelsea they're back in the free against Jose Mourinho Spurs who also lost their last match who do you fancy winning this London derby pair the men available well, I do think I favour Chelsea. I'm not just saying that because it's you, George. Obviously, we've mentioned it already, but that injury now to Sonny Hummin for Spurs, I think that's absolutely massive in, in terms of their mindset at the moment. You know, Jason Mourinho saying uh, in press conferences, in media conferences ahead of uh, that match against Leipzig in the Champions League in midweek, that he doesn't think that Troy Parrott is ready to play at the very, very top level. Uh, and he doesn't want to play Ryan Sessegnon out of position up front as well. So really limited options uh, in terms of a, a recognised number nine for Spurs at the moment. Now, we talk about that tiredness that we've seen from, from Chelsea and, and Frank Lampard's team, but I think for them, they will have enough, particularly at home. Obviously, they've got one eye on a massive match for them to come in the European Champions League next week, obviously playing Bayern Munich, the Bundesliga champions on Tuesday. That's potentially a huge match for them. But I think the home crowd for them will be a big source of support. If they don't score, I think, early on, Perhaps the home fans could get frustrated. We've seen that at times this season, but I do think that Chelsea will have the slight edge. Arsenal will be looking to build on from their recent success against Newcastle, but Ateta's men face a huge test in Ancelotti's Everton. How tricky does this get? Yeah, this could be really interesting, this game, couldn't it? It's one of the ones I'm looking forward to this weekend because obviously we saw really good performance from Arsenal, but I think this will be a real mark of, of how this team have progressed under Mikel Arteta in terms of them coming up against this Everton side who really have improved as I think we all expected under Carlo Ancelotti he's of course one of Europe's most successful managers isn't he he's won some of the best the top trophies 
there are. So I think this will be a, a really good test to see where Arsenal are and also a really good test to see where Mikel Arteta is personally as a manager. I think we'll get a real sense of, of how he's reading the game now in terms of his first uh, job in management. He'll need a really strong defensive display from his players as well and, and the senior defensive uh, midfielders as well and, and defenders to, to step up really and be vocal on the pitch, which we haven't always seen at times this season. But I think this could be one of the games of the weekend, certainly. Let's end with other special games to come. We know Manchester United play Watford and Man City are at the Kimpar Stadium against Leicester City. Which other special stories are you following? Yeah, the King Power seeing, as you say, third place Leicester host second place Manchester City. Manchester City, of course, still very much in the headlines this week for all the wrong reasons in terms of what they would like to see from their club with this two-year ban from Europe starting next season imposed by UEFA because of financial fair play rules. Pep Guardiola, after that match against West Ham in midweek, was very defiant when he came out after that game, saying he was sure that that ban would be overturned. When the club appealed to the Court of Arbitration for Sport, he was absolutely certain that the club hadn't done anything wrong, 100% behind uh, the, the owners of the club. But I think it would be very hard for those off-the-field matters not to overshadow things on the pitch somewhat. And I think we saw them obviously uh, be able to beat West Ham in midweek, but um, I think Leicester City are, are a different proposition, aren't they? And Manchester United, who of course just played down the road from, from where I'm speaking to you now, you mentioned them as well with their own difficulties this week. The news that Marcus Rashford potentially out for the rest of the season with this double stress fracture in his back. That's obviously a huge, huge blow to them. They're, they're only three points behind Chelsea in fourth spot at the moment, but I think bad news like that to, to Marcus Rashford could potentially derail them because they haven't been able to put that consistency together this season and against a side like Watford obviously fighting for every point they can get at the wrong end of the table battling against relegation that could be very unpredictable that one I think The BBC's Mas Faruqi there for the Joy Sports two-way series. Joy Sports BBC two-way series. Now time to find out which games you have to keep an eye on during the weekend. I think we've got some fantastic games, including the London derby between Chelsea and Spurs. Joy Sports, Moses Yabwe has got the wrap. Barcelona will be looking for their fourth La Liga winning succession when they work up struggling Eibar to come now on Saturday afternoon. The Spanish champions are now just one point behind league leaders Real Madrid who will be hoping to return to winning ways in their clash away with Levante. Thomas Partey's Atletico Madrid at home to Villarreal. Juventus will be looking to make it back-to-back Serie A victories when they travel to the division's bottom club, Spa. Juve will be without the services of experienced defender Leonardo Bonucci through suspension, while Miralem Pjanic, Sami Kadira, Douglas Costa are on the treatment table. Elsewhere, second place Lazio travel to Genoa and Inter Milan who are third host Sampdoria. It's always tough to focus on the league when you have a big Champions League fixture a few days away. But for Hansi Flick, that's part of the job, as he's faced with the task of beating Parabon and maintaining Bayern Munich's lead over RB Leipzig in the league table. Getting all three points is imperative, but the coach will be well aware that he has to rest some key players as well. In other games, Leipzig play away to Schalke, and Borussia Dortmund face Werder Bremen. After playing out a thrilling 4-4 draw with Amia at the weekend, PSG will be looking to start a new winning run in Ligue 1 when they host Bordeaux. Moses Yawa with a wrap. Live on radio, live online, this is The Locker Room with George Addo Jr.
Let's get your messages on our WhatsApp line 0244340437. And I'm particularly worried because Manchester United fans want to be a part of this. This is for Chelsea fans. So, well, well, <laughs> let's hear from the Chelsea fans what they make of this. We're asking the question problems in Chelsea? Is that equal to an inexperienced squad or an inexperienced manager? Well, we've got this one saying Manchester United are deemed uh, for a move for Kai Corbett, 17, who scored for under 18s. I wonder where it's coming from. Okay, I'm trying to give you some information. Let's see if you can get onto the topic we're discussing. I'll just be introducing instead of right now two gentlemen who have joined me, and by now you know Oriquan Puffle and Bill Ishan. Guys, how are you doing this afternoon? Fantastic, George. Doing well. I didn't hear from you, Oriquan. Are you doing well? Yeah, I'm doing well. You've signed, you've signed another, and. Uh, Okay, well, I don't want to take you to that Barcelona signing. But I think we should just stick with what we have to do. Or else, I'll... Okay, give... give. Let me just do this. Yeah, surprised about the signing? I'm not, I'm not surprised. I think it was, uh, there was a need. A need which I think shouldn't have been there in the first place because you had the benefit of the transfer window just a few weeks earlier. And to bank your hopes on a Dembele who hadn't been, uh, you know, deemed fit was uh, a bit you know detrimental and uh, quite immature from the board and you know letting go of players like Callum, Carlos Perez and you know Abel Ruiz who were on the score sheet yesterday just to go buy another striker from a relegation team it's just action to uh, you know the incompetences of this Barcelona board so it's a deal that's needed but I don't think he would add a lot to Barcelona season especially considering that he would not be able to play in the Champions League Okay, guys, let's get on to our subject right now. We're trying to discuss Chelsea's slump uh, in the last 10 games, the last 12 games. Just keep it rolling. Most Chelsea fans are aware they have an inexperienced squad. Everybody knows they have an inexperienced coach. So then, which of the two is causing more harm to the, the team's success at the moment? Bill, I don't know where you stand on this. Inexperienced manager for you or inexperienced uh, squad? Well, I think it's mostly the inexperience of the squad. Well, they did start very well at the beginning of the season. Tammy Abraham was on form, getting the goals. The team was playing very, very well. But it has gotten to the point where the boys are not getting the proper shots away. They are getting a few shots on target, but they are not scoring. Especially Tammy Abraham. He's been a bit off-color in front of them. I think inexperience plays a part in this. Mm. He's not... He's not gotten to that point where he can be finishing week in, week out like Harry Kane, like Jamie Vardy and the rest. So, banking your hopes. Initially, it was a good call banking the hopes on Tammy Abraham mm. because he was getting the goal initially. But now, he's slumped in form. So, Lampard has to find a way to bring him back. But Tammy Abraham, is his job to try and find the net. And that's his job as a striker. So, so, so on, on your side of things, Lampard is doing everything right, but the squad is simply inexperienced. Yeah, that's why Chelsea are having the problems they're having. Yeah, he's been complaining a lot that the shots, the balls have been getting to the forward lines. Mm. They shoot, they don't shoot with more venom. Mm. Either they don't shoot at all or they don't shoot with more venom. And that is something that is not on the coach. Mm. That's something that's on the players. The players have to find a way to shoot and score. That's because you are agreeing with the coach's analysis of the situation. But let, let's hear from Rico and Buffalo or the other side of it. What do you think then, Rico? Well, it's a, it's a difficult call for Chelsea. You know, you look at these uh, past 10 games and uh, they've managed to uh, win four out of them. Two of them coming from the FA Cup and uh, losing three uh, big games, in my opinion. Uh, you know, especially losing against Newcastle and then top four rivals, Manchester United. But you look at the nature of these defeats and you can question Frank Lampard here because as a coach uh, Bill did rightly say that you can see that Chelsea do create a number of opportunities uh, but what happens 
when you're the coach and you see your side creating chances and not converting. You need to react. And he's still, uh, for some weird reason, stuck with the same guns and, you know, went ahead with Tammy Abraham when he had other options on the bench. You know, he still uh, persisted playing Callum hudson and, you know, Pedro and uh, the William who were not, you know, firing up front. And uh, I think that it comes down to the coach in the end. You look at their most recent defeat against Manchester United. Uh, you saw Basuayi come in to that game which did raise a lot of eyebrows uh, we all know that Tammy Abraham was injured but you look at the gameplay that Chelsea adopted on the day playing the long balls it looked as if it would suit uh, Giroud more considering the number of crosses that he did put in and you could see the influence of Giroud when he came in in the second half uh, you know scoring a goal which was deemed offside by just a few millimeters uh, but I think that that did show that Lampard had the power to you know change something within this team uh, because he, I think he has a lot of options and uh, unfortunately he's a, a young and experienced manager who is now learning on the job mm. and he is certainly going to make some mistakes but I think in the end it's, uh, it's, 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 it's a, more on the manager for you I think I, I think, than, I think, than so. the, I think the, the players themselves can be blamed but Lampard has been at a, a huge fault uh, for Chelsea's poor form I'll, I'll get to Bill shortly for his reaction to what you just put out there but on our Facebook page we have some of your messages coming through Isaac Nyamicha Jan says I think as a manager his selection of players simply the problem Ni Senor says none of the above mentioned but rather one Manchester United really <laughs> and two those who started Rashford and Abraham's comparisons Thinking Abraham was better than Rashford. Amazing. <laughs> I don't know where this is coming from now. Martin Coleman Kwame says, no one can blame Lampard in this case. Most of his players are simply waste. Bill, you, you listen to Rico and his analysis on why he feels Frank Lampard just cannot make his mind about you know certain departments in that team. Uh, what is your response to it? Well, um, on some departments, uh, especially goalkeepers, you can't really fault him because one, Kepa has been terrible. And he's been considering a lot of goals this season. What can the manager do? Replace him. Assume, assume Kepa and Carriera are all problems. What, do you, what has he done with the defence? <laughs> well, in front of him. <laughs> <laughs> that, that is a tough thing. I think in the transfer window, he didn't really react when it comes to the defensive yeah. issues. He didn't, he didn't get anyone to fit in on the back. But I think the players that he has can do a job. Uh, Christian is not a bad player. Neither is Rudiger. Neither is Ketuma. He has his problems, but he's not a bad player. Mm. And, of course, Aspilicueta, Rich James, has actually been a revelation for Chelsea this season. He has players that can produce the goods. That is the thing, but they're not pulling their weight as much. Kepa has not been doing his job, mm. considering a lot of goals. Caballero has been worse. And that is not the fault of the coach. That is on the player. That, that's on the player. Let, let, let me ask you this question, Rico, just as we wrap up then. Can we even call the Chelsea squad inexperienced? I mean, the fact that you have Mason Mount, the fact that you have um, Tammy Abraham, the fact that you have Rhys James, and for most of the squad, you have players who have won the league before. Can we even sit here and call this team inexperienced? Well, I think it, I think it hangs in the balance. Uh, Kepa, he just recently came into the Premier League, coming in as the world's most expensive goalkeeper. That that is not an easy tag uh, to you know try and justify. But you're looking in around this team, and probably Kante would be the most experienced player, followed by William and maybe Pedro. Mm. Uh, but although they've been experienced, I think that they they have most likely let this team down. I think that William and Pedro have not contributed enough. 
uh, to this Chelsea team this season. Kante unfortunately has been battling with injuries. Uh, so honestly speaking, that leaves this Chelsea side with a lot of these young players who are not used to this situation. You know, playing the Premier League uh, can be difficult at times. And uh, that's what I'm saying. The Lampard's arms are really tied here because he looks on the bench. He doesn't really have, you know, any experienced players to call upon, any game changers on the bench. So it's not an easy job for him. But I think that he has in his hands uh. a very inexperienced squad which has overachieved as things do stand and will overachieve if they do make the top four, which is still likely because everything is in their hands as of now. They can decide to win all the games remaining and they would finish in the top four. So it's still hanging in the balance. Let's see how it goes. 